1: well, welcome back to the wild, wild west. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if well, I, I, most people have been watching. It is unbelievable how fast the market moves. It's mind boggling. It's unreal. Yeah, just within the last few minutes of the, of the close yesterday, the market moved over a trillion dollars. <laughs> a trillion. <laughs> I can't believe it. It's just, uh, it's unbelievable. I and mean, his speed is just crazy. By the way, those are not people doing that. You know, those are computers. You, know, you can think the computers, the program traders out there that uh, are contributing mightily to the increased volatility. But there's a lot of good news. There's a lot of good news. I can't believe it. Um, the market now is actually... Where it was in 2000, near the end of the year in 2017. It's actually near the end of the year. I don't know if you've looked at the calendar, but it's 2020 now. (laughs) And it was 2000. So if you missed, if you feel bad because you missed that big move, guess what? You got a second chance. And you know what? The economy has grown significantly since then so prices are lower but the value is higher that is awesome you will rarely get an opportunity like this and now it might not be over i mean the selling could continue one of the reasons now that you know we'd like to carry bonds in our portfolio now you know always carry cash always have some short-term bonds in your portfolio i you know the equivalent of having some cash always do that and it's a uh it'll come in handy one day like now <laughs> no you know I, I feel bad the uh there's a the coronavirus is out there it, it's kind of a big deal it's slowing things down but i think the the reaction is uh overdone on a lot of different ways and it, but the it doesn't really matter whether I think what I think. It doesn't matter. It's going to slow things down a little bit. As it slows them down, you know, GDP goes down. When GDP, I think the the top max decline of GDP growth it was minus three percent or so. I think at the uh, the financial crisis that started in two thousand six. Actually, uh, the market bottomed in two thousand nine. The uh, housing. Market started to go bad in 2006. Accelerated through 2007. November of 2007, the S&P 500 finally turned over, rolled over, started going down. The small mid-cap stocks have been going down for about eight or nine months before that happened. Which is another thing that I'd like to point out about this correction. It's not one or two singular groups that is dropping. They are all going down. Every stock category is getting crushed. Which tells me, this is just a pure panic. Pure panic. This is how uh, Templeton Funds really made their way in the world. Literally, they had such a sterling track record. It was unreal. For, from the 1950s up through the 1990s, track record was over 15% a year. Can you imagine going 40 years at 15% a year? And... The, uh, the fund managers there used to say, and they weren't kidding. They would say, well, when's the best time to buy? And they literally would say, when there was blood in the streets. They would go into these third world countries that were going through revolutions and buy stock. <laughs> so you had to be very, very adventurous to invest in those funds. <laughs> but they did incredibly well. And I think this is one of those opportunities. If you've missed the past couple of years, guess what? You've got a second chance. Now, is it going to go lower? I don't know. It could. The, the slowdown in 2000s, you know, the whole housing crisis, it was only a 3% drop in GDP and the S&P dropped 57%. How many times have you heard me talk about how much stocks go up and down relative to the news? How much more accentuated the movements, the price movements are than what's going on at the in the actual companies, it's not what's happening in the companies. It's what people think is going to happen, and people are emotional. The vast majority of people really don't know how to read a financial statement because you know, that's not what they studied in school. And the vast majority of people only know what they hear on television, and television, the you know bad news gets more play than good news does. So I think if you look past what's going on right now, and by the way, when you spend money on something like this, when the government issues a $50 billion rescue package, once the money gets created and circulated, it's kind of like electricity. It's there forever. It's just going to dissipate and then collect again, dissipate and collect again. Once you've increased the money supply, it's there forever. And once the, uh, is it, a huge amount, no, $50 billion is really not that big a deal. Psychologically, you can see what happened. Last few minutes of the day, the market just catapulted. So that tells me that this is an emotional uh, replay of 2007, 2008, 2009. I never thought people would panic that much in the, in that time period. But I had a plan. I have a plan now. The plan's always going to be the same plan Slightly different, depending on how much fluctuation you're willing to put up with. The the bonds in our portfolio, after being a big drag on the portfolio the past three years, guess what? We're glad we have them now. Everybody's glad we have them now, and it's it's a great thing. And I really think our best days are ahead of us by far. Our as a country, as an economy, the best days are in the future. You can bet on that. I am, and I'll be continuing to buy. And I'm going to, instead of buying just the mix of stocks and bonds right now, if you're, if you're going to be working for the next 10 years or so, take your 401k contributions and make sure they're going into the stock or, or larger portion than you normally would into stocks for now. Tune back in near the end of the year. We'll see if we cut that back somewhat. But I think this recovery is going to be one of the quicker ones that we've ever had. I think the stock market is going to go up way before the news gets good. The stock market will go up long before this thing is defeated. It's kind of the same way it's happened all the time, every time. I shouldn't say all the time, but most of the time. What happens is, it, in fact, the economy didn't bottom out until several months, several months. I think it's about nine months after the stock market bottomed in 2009. And if you'd have waited for that, you would have missed half of the move. You, you would have missed a huge amount of the recovery. So don't watch the news for your ideas of when to invest. Go back, get a plan. If you don't have a plan, call us. I'll tell you what we're doing. Actually, the uh, it, it's kind of a big deal. Rebalancing has got to be a big deal. And I'm going to start to focus exclusively on that whole process. It's hard to do incidentally when you've got a, a balanced account, you've got some stocks, you've got bonds, you have a little bit of cash, you go to rebalance that. Let's say I'm an average 60, 40, which is typically how most professionally managed accounts are being managed these days. And it's a good thing. And here's why that 40% that's in those short term bonds it didn't drop like a rock. The 60% got kicked around pretty good. So now people are are glad that they've actually that they have some of those cuz they're not down nearly as much as the stock market is. Now the rookies or the novice investors are going down, "Yeah, but I'm down." Okay, you can't avoid that at all. Well, actually you can avoid that. Keep all your money in CDs and try to get by on less than 1%. That's your those are your choices. Keep all your money in CDs. Keep crying in your oatmeal. And by the way, that's going to turn into saltine crackers one day. <laughs> no. But there are so many good things that are, are, are happening, and the, the rebalancing is the key. It's the key. You don't have to know when the market's going to go up. You don't have to know when the market's going to go down. You don't need to know that. You don't need to know that to be successful, to be a successful investor. You don't need to know that to beat the average investor. The average investor, by the way, doesn't do very well. You don't want to, if you want to do some research on that, there's a company called Dalbar, D-A-L-B-A-R. Look it up. Google it. Buy their report. It's only 800 bucks. I buy it every year. Shows you how the average investor has done over the past 20 years. Might make you feel a little bit better. (laughs) Yeah, And the average investors, anybody that's pulled money out of the market, over the past couple of weeks they feel like a hero i got news for you you're not a hero you will not be know where the bottom is and trying to get back in now you got to make another call you got to get back in before it goes up past the point that you were a seller cuz if you don't you get to join the 19 out of 20 people who try to do that and just fail miserably so see the cost of being successful means you're going to put up with a certain amount of of fluctuation that's the cost Of being successful, you can't avoid the fluctuation. Everybody that tries to avoid the fluctuation loses. The people who say, you know what? I'm willing to accept a certain amount of fluctuation. I'm not going to panic. I'm going to stick to that plan. And let's say my fluctuation is 30%, which is pretty much how it's going to have to be if you think you're going to make more than four or 5% a year on your investments. I'll get to that a little bit later in today's show. But you want to make more than 5% a year on your investments and interest rates are only at, at less than 1% on CDs. And you're going to have to have a, a fluctuation tolerance of about 30% or so. Which means you'd have to have about sixty five to yeah, 60% or better into stocks, the rest of it in relatively short-term bonds. So if the stock market did another 2008 and 2009, went down by half, You'd only be down about 30% or so. How is that? By the way, you've got a whole bunch of money sitting there in those bonds, ready to be put to work in this, on the stock side. So if you rebalance at that point in time, what does that mean? That means the stocks are down. You're going to take some of the money out of the safer side and buy them when they're down. Are you going to try to buy the bottom? Uh, most of the dummies will. They'll try to figure out what that's going to be. It killed, you know what the, the only reason I have a a gym membership to this one health club is because when I'm running around the track, I hear these people, I hear people, they're talking about the stock market and it just makes me, um, I don't know what it makes me actually gets me a little angry sometimes when I hear the stupid stuff that comes out of their mouths. They're not clients, so I don't talk to them. I'm just listening. (laughs) But it also encourages me to stay in this business because people need help. A lot of people don't know any better. And the people that are the the boldest and the most sure and who sound a lot like me, actually, (laughs) the ones that are, I know what's going to happen, this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, don't walk away from those people, run. Run. If anybody's telling you they know what's going to happen in the next four or five years in the stock market, they're full of it. They have no idea. And if they did, why didn't they tell you about this? Why didn't they tell you three years ago the market would be back to where it was then? If they knew. They don't know. and I'm telling you, you don't need to know. What you need to know is develop a plan that takes that into account that you can't know. I mean, think about that. Do you think airlines, they fly cross-country And when there's a a storm, they wait until the storm goes away to launch that flight. No, you know what they do? They alter their behavior. They don't fly right in the middle of the storm. They go around it. They make an adjustment. That's what I'm talking about. Making adjustments. Sometimes they can go higher and and get above it. Sometimes they have to go out of their way. But they know what they're going to do and they're going to make an adjustment. They have a plan. And if your plan doesn't include adjusting, then you need to get a new plan. You need to adjust and you need to make it, especially today. You know, you get, you don't get these opportunities all that often. This is, you're not going to get these opportunities all that often. I can't believe it. I was talking about how valuations on some companies were slightly high. Not anymore. <laughs> and actually what really is amazing is. A lot of the more conservative companies are down more than a lot of the aggressive ones. That is, that is hilarious. I mean, if you're, if you're a long term investor, it's hilarious. If you're a short term investor who was counting on that money for your vacation next year, or you were going to buy a house next year, you shouldn't have had that money in stocks to begin with. You need the money within five years. That should not be in stocks. That's another reason that we have, you know, 35, 40% of the money in bonds. Why? Because you may need to take some money out over the next few years and you're not going to want to take it from the stocks if they're down. And if you're taking di- distributions, let's say you're at that, you know, you're retired and you're taking distributions each year. You want to keep at least five years worth of distributions in short term bonds. Why? Because the market, is very, very, very difficult to predict over anything less than five years. And five years is not that easy, by the way. But the uh, but it's a whole lot better than one or two. The longer you look, the closer the correlation is. I know that messes everybody up that's not a statistician. Seven to 10 years is really the time period that you want to be thinking about in your investing. And if you can't, Lock that money away for that length of time. Don't put it in. Because you're not investing, then you're gambling. You are a gambler. You just don't know it. You don't realize it. And I know there are a lot of websites out there, a lot of people that say, oh, I can No, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Now that here hear the music, I got to take a real quick commercial break. You listen to Bill Bullington right here on 1420. I'll be right back.
0: I'm
2: getting something that I.
1: And we're back. You're listening to Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon on 1420. You can also catch this show on the fish's website, 955thefish.com. You can catch it on my website. It's on iHeartRadio. It's in iTunes. Um, Feel free to give us a call today, by the way, if you have a question. 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. I'm going to go to the phones right now. And I've got John.
3: Hello, Bill. I think this is the best time since the families are going to be sitting together, they should t- talk about the basic ideas of capitalism and also talk about Milton Friedman and free to choose. You know, things sky is not falling. Federal Reserve Bank is around the world. They don't have too many tools left anyway. Right. So I think budgeting, of course, I'm not talking about the politicians. I've given up on them a long time back. Yeah. <laughs> the balance of the budget. Right. Continuing resolution oxymoron. There's nothing is continuing. And uh, negative income tax, the same as earned income tax credit. I think people don't understand that because we don't teach these things in high
1: school. Right.
3: It's sad uh, why we don't practice capitalism properly.
1: Oh, I've been, yeah. Pseudo,
3: not even crony. Pseudo capitalism. (laughs) And right now, they balance the budget. The last minute, of course, we do something for the bookkeeping shell game.
1: Sure. And, Well, you know what my opinion is on that? It's always been a shell game. And I'm amazed that inflation hasn't been much higher than it is. And I know you know what I mean by that.
3: I know. See, see, we always quote Kennedy, the water rises, the boat rises and everything. Right. Mm -hmm. The only thing is these are not the old boats. These are inflated things with a hole in it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. <laughs> you go you no, know, I hope they have life jackets and unless right. they go short tank it and come up with a new idea. Yeah. <laughs> see I, I'm not a negative guy. I think it's a the sad that we don't teach uh capitalism properly. We don't now that the sports is gone for a few weeks, this is the best time to tell the kids what yeah. capitalism is all about.
1: Absolutely. And
3: what comes what you see is now what you get. And bookkeeping is not double entry in different way of <laughs> accounting. <Right. laughs> Don't count twice. Right. <laughs> it, 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 it's sad. I'm not going It's sad. I'm laughing at it because it, I have a lot of faith in it. Japan has survived the last 30 years, right?
0: Yep. yep.
3: Okay. So I, I'm. A, I'm a, sky is not falling. Right. Zero and one, 2,000, everything went, oh, yeah. Yep. And supply chain, of course, Cutler doesn't understand. Navarro doesn't understand supply chain. Uh, all that I know is when you go to Walmart somebody will say welcome to Walmart instead they'll say welcome to Tariff yeah. you see? <laughs> see it's not a humor uh, I think we forget the basics of capitalism and nobody's I, going to pay we always well, they've, never, they've never
1: they've no, never taught economics in high that's school
3: that's right and and uh, there's no such thing as free lunch. How about right. breakfast? That's the best meal of yeah. the day, I tell them. <laughs> yeah. I, I miss my teaching my classes. Yeah. So you had to put up with me today, that's yeah. all. <laughs> have a nice day. Thanks, I've, you I've too. got a lot of faith in it. All bye right, bye. me too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: And I'm going to go right to another John. Hey, how are you doing?
4: Hi, Bill. How you doing? Good. Yeah, I, I had the pleasure of meeting you a couple of years ago at one of your seminars. Oh. And uh, I was a, a broker for 12 years, I left the industry back in the 90s. Okay. And one of the tests I had to take was the registered options principle. Yes. And the thing that I'm always amazed at is the people that have substantial amounts of money in their uh, portfolios, or in stocks in their portfolios, don't protect themselves with deep, out of the money puts. People should have been making a fortune the last two weeks because they've had deep out of the money puts as insurance. And I don't know why people don't talk about it. They just say, oh, well, wait here, it'll come back. I can
1: tell you exactly why they don't talk about it. And and by the way, uh, that's called the Series 9, the Options Principles Exam. Uh, I also took it. (laughs) And uh, you and I are uh, some of the few people that have ever decided to sit for that. Here's something they they don't teach you in the Options Principles Exam. The vast majority of people do not understand hedging, and they don't understand portfolio insurance. They look at it as a pure cost, and that's why it's not being done. That's why they don't implement it. They don't understand it. Yeah, it's kind of like your homeowner's insurance. You pay the insurance every month, but you don't complain when your home doesn't burn down. You know what I'm saying? The uh, they right. But they nobody gets that. And everybody's fixated on just the pure cost. They're only looking at the cost, not what, not the protection that they're buying or the protection that they're getting. I understand exactly what you say. In fact, that Nasim T- Taleb, the, the black swan, you know, that's basically what he was right. saying in his book. Right. And right. Um, yeah, these big things do happen and the payoff is, you know, it doesn't pay off that often, but when it does, you're really glad that you did it. But it right.
4: And then you have, to- and by cash the way, to reinvest when the stocks are lower.
1: By the way, try to get that through your compliance department at at a major firm. That is a bear. They gave me really. Oh, they gave me all kinds of problems over that, and 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 rightly so, I guess, because the people that they don't understand it. The individual investor out there has no idea what the carrying costs on an out of the money option are. They have no clue. And so yeah, well. w- when they're paying that month after month after month and they go, well, you know, I, this hasn't made me, it's only cost me X number of dollars." Yes. But see, this is like homeowner's insurance or fire insurance. It's not going to happen right. very often, but once it does happen, right. you'll be glad you have it. And, uh, and right. I'm, I'm telling you, try to try to market that to the general public. Good luck.
4: <laughs> yeah. But on an individual basis, I mean, you shouldn't have any trouble getting that, it's true, you're broker. right?
1: well, if think. you and by the way, if you have more than ten clients, you have to give all the others up because actually getting those trades executed. Good luck with that. Yeah, yeah
4: but I mean, if you, I mean, me as an individual person,
1: you as an individual should who have passed, no
4: problem doing it.
1: Yes, but you pass the options principles exam. One out of a thousand advisors ever passes that exam. Okay, right. so well, you are not like the general public, you are like way advanced. So, yeah, but
4: I, I wish, you know, I, I wish I could convince some of my friends who, you know, I have one friend who a couple of years ago, you know, unfortunately inherited a lot of money because his relatives died, but he has a couple of million dollars invested. And Mm -hmm. before he even inherited all that money, he did a terrific job on his own. And he was, um, into, quite a few mutual funds and uh back the 90s he was heavily invested in in the healthcare sector he made a ton of money there and he did a real good job and um uh, he's got most of his money in a very very big firm and you know i saw him two months ago and my concern was about the election i you know i'm not looking at any coronavirus i was just saying you know well,
1: see, that, i'm really that, concerned yeah, that if we have a new years.
4: president you know that market is going to get killed, at least temporarily. Well, I, I wasn't you, 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 you can't. You can't prove
1: that, by the way. That, and you, no,
4: you can't. But you, I'm just talking about protection. I'm not yeah. talking. You know, you know, it's going to go one way or the other. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's only got two directions, obviously. Right? <laughs> and for every, and people. Another thing people have to understand: these markets are crazy. But for every buyer, there's a seller, and vice versa. So somebody's been buying. As the stocks have been going down, otherwise they wouldn't be trading.
1: Well, I've been one of those people have been buying for about a week now. And, uh, the, uh, last week's been pretty painful right up until Friday, but that's okay. I get it. You know, I understand. And see, here's the, here's the issue that, that you're feeling the angst with. and, And everybody that's an advisor feels this. The things that people should do are incredibly difficult to get them to do. And people yeah. don't people don't behave like they should behave. They behave like they want to behave, mm-hmm. they, and and a lot of them don't. They don't know, and it's not being taught. And actually, they should start teaching this stuff in high school. They they literally yeah. should start start teaching this in high school. Get the kids used to it. I remember when yeah. I when I was new in the industry, I go to my man. I read something Peter Lynch wrote, and uh, I wasn't actually new. It was a few years, but the uh uh in it was actually Warren Buffett at the time. Warren Buffett said, "If you can't stand to see the value of your stocks drop by fifty percent or more, don't buy stocks." And I went, right, I, I, right. I go, what? The uh, I go run into my branch manager and say, "Hey, is is this true?" Right. And he goes, "Oh no, no, no. He's just uh, that that doesn't happen." And uh, I was like, "Oh." And then uh, after I got enough money to be able to go and buy these really expensive charts, which most of them were done by hand back in those days. <laughs> the, oh yeah. Um, I uh, I looked, and I saw it, and I was like, no, no, no. That, he was telling the truth. <laughs> yeah. That was the truth. My my branch manager yeah. was afraid that I wouldn't be able to sell anything if I knew the truth. Right. And the big right. firms today, they still talk about uh, standard deviation. They call it standard fluctuation now. They've been changing the language a little bit. And, and yeah. Standard deviation, so 16% is the average standard deviation. That's what people think is their average risk. That's what they think the risk is. Okay, now that they're down over twenty percent in less than a month, I'm wonder how they feel. Yeah, yeah. That's well, not...
4: I, re- I remember, I remember October nineteenth, nineteen eighty-seven. I was a broker in a um, discount brokerage house, and back then it was really this. It was a stone age. It, it's amazing to think right. back then. We had a ticker tape in the office, and it was running um, in a fast market, and they told us at the home office that we were 25 minutes behind. The tape was 25 right. minutes behind. And people were walking in wanting to sell at market orders. And I, I said, I can't. I can't. I have no idea what you're going to get. We see General Motors fly by at 38. I say, I don't know if it's 38 or 28 or 10. Right. I can't put in a market order. Right. And we took 10 days to get confirmations on some trades. Yeah. It was an absolutely (laughs) insane day. um, And I remember, yeah, I remember going home, going to the grocery store, and looking around and seeing all these people like nothing was wrong. And I'm thinking, my God, you don't know how close we were to a total economic collapse. And everybody's walking around. Like you know, nothing's happening, and now you contrast that with today.
1: Well, you know what? uh, Those guys that were walking around, not knowing and acting like nothing was happening—guess what? You know, they were right. They were absolutely right. Yeah, that's that's the thing about the uh, economy. And there's one class I think should be mandatory for every college student, and actually they should teach this in high school too. It's called money, credit, and banking. At least that's what they used to call it but it explains how a fractional reserve banking system works and how you can actually grow your way and heal yourself out of these economic issues. The natural result of that is going to be inflation. You need to learn how to deal with inflation. The best way to have dealt with it over the past 100 years or so has been the stock market. But you don't go all in. You don't try to time the market. Uh, You develop a plan. Most people are going to be suitable for a a balanced Approached Stocks, bonds, cash. The hedge is the fact that you have bonds and cash, especially if you're not long bonds and they're, you're not confusing junk bonds with you know, high-quality uh, treasuries. The, uh, uh, but all that stuff needs to be taught. I think they need to teach it in high school and quit teaching people how to balance a checkbook. When's the last time anybody balanced a checkbook?
4: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That is killing me. Yeah. One more thing, and I don't want to take up your whole show. Uh, you mentioned... Um, the black swan that's uh norio yeah. rubini who wrote that book well he just mentioned I, I believe it was a week or 10 days ago he thinks the market could um 40 percent because of this and he's about halfway there
1: yeah but you'll know though that he never puts all of his money on a single bet it's a very small percentage it's just leveraged really highly that's i tell people all the time if by the way i got the commodities license too the um uh if you if you really knew which direction the market was going to go, you buy an out of the money call or put on a futures contract. You'll get rich. <laughs> You'll get if you could Great. call one five percent move once a year, you would never have to work. You'd have Warren Buffett yep. calling you for tips. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that would be a nice call. <laughs>
1: yeah.
4: All right. Well, thanks a lot. You take care and hope you stay well. Thanks, YouTube, and Jeff. Um, maybe I'll catch you at one of your next seminars. Sounds
1: great, awesome. Thank okay, you. thanks a, a lot. Weekend. Bye. Yeah, I think we uh, have a oh, a couple minutes of commercial break. That's good. So, by the way, if if, if we kind of lost you there on that conversation, that's because he's in the was in the industry. Don't worry about it. it it's actually a lot simpler uh, than anybody thinks it is. You know, in fact, a stock is only worth what people are willing to pay for it at that moment in time. And, and that decision that they make, especially in times like these, when people are highly emotional, they're not logical. That, that's my whole point against the rational analysis or a rational investor, you know, modern portfolio theory, rational investors will do what's really they have. That, that guy was not whoever wrote that. And I, was not present. (laughs) He was a mathematician and there you, you need to use math, but there's some observance that other people in the markets are not using math. They're going on this totally based on emotion and price movement. There's a big difference between value and price. And uh, that's the whole basis of any value oriented fund, which incidentally, a lot of funds are based on underlying values. You can do the calculation. They're math. It's relatively, most of it's relatively simple math. When you're looking at stock valuations, it's relatively simple math. Yeah. And that's what gets me, um, excited when I see this, you know, the past two, three years, people were feeling really bad that they had missed that big run up. Well, guess what? You know, the economy's bigger than it was three years ago, but the share prices are back where they were three years ago. It's a better value. The value is there. Why? Because the price has come down. That's, that is awesome. And it's not like this is going to stop. 5G is not going to stop. This is probably 5G is going to accelerate. You know why? Because 5G is being used by hospitals to analyze test results. Think about that. Thing we've been talking about now for I don't know a couple of years. We come back. I'll talk about a couple instances that might be able to make you some money over the next you know, few 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 months. Actually, so stay tuned. This is Bill Bullington right here on fourteen
3: twenty.
4: Here and now, I'm in the fire and above
1: my head. And we're back. Hey, you're listening to Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. If you'd like to learn more about my firm, go to BullingtonCapital.com. We do have a seminar coming up there, uh, and there's a description of it there. <laughs> if you go to the seminars, I actually don't have time to get over there to read it right now, but it's BullingtonCapital.com. Uh, it's, I think it's, I believe it's going to be April Thirtieth. Hang on one second. Yeah, this is going to be good because right now I have with me, uh, is this Terry Agner? It is. Hey, how are you? I'm good, Bill. How are you? I'm really good. I, uh, good. I'm, I'm all excited about the uh, Historic Tea event that we're going to talk about that's coming up here very very shortly, April 26th.
2: Yeah, uh, thanks for letting me come on and talk about it. Um, yeah, we started a program down at the Armory excuse me, um, called the Living History program. And it's an educational platform. Um and we are uh doing a fundraiser so that we can raise some funds to be able to um share all the historic characters, you know, um
1: yeah, in the Cleveland community. Uh, you, yeah, you didn't tell me about this when we were talking uh the other day about it and. I'm a little upset because I would have been really excited. <laughs> well, no, I'm not. I'm not upset. I'm just kidding. But I really like it. if you go to the gla- the Grays and uh, you look up the uh, the event. I I didn't know this was about the 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 bad girls.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Actually, if you go to Eventbrite, it gives you a description of the girls that. Um, uh, we're having. It's entitled Misbehaving Women. And it's about uh Cassie Chadwick, who is of Millionaires Row fame, and then Josephine Baker of Vaudeville fame. And uh these will be live uh so, actors just, I, that uh,
1: come in. Oh that's cool. I just want to tell yeah. the audience that Cassie Chadwick was also a swindler. That lived on Millionaire's <laughs> Row. And the other lady that you mentioned was an exotic dancer.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That is and funny. the it should it should be really good entertainment and while you're, you know, being entertained, we're gonna have um a historic tea where we'll actually feed you and give you, you know, tea. We're in the process right now of um Picking the menu and, uh, you know, doing all the planning for it. Right. And and additionally, while you're there, you can take a tour of the um, armory and right. we'll have uh, some other things, you, you know, going on while we're there.
1: Yeah. And if you haven't seen the armory if, your armory, if you've never been there, it's worth going just to see that. If, if, you, if you've ever worked in construction at all, um, I worked with my dad for a long time. He was a uh, carpenter and um, basically a subcontractor doing remodeling and the cabinetry in there was done by hand because at the time they were making that they didn't have uh factories around the greater cleveland area that could produce that stuff so it is amazing to see what those guys did, I did the whole building is very historic it's it's nostalgic I'll, i love it uh, so I'm, I'm really glad you're having this event there too that uh, that's really interesting although I was much more excited about it, reading about it, before I started doing the radio show.
2: <laughs> well, good, good. Well, I'm glad you are able to let us put a shout-out for it. It's going to be April 26th uh, at the Armory, which is at 1234 Bolivar Road. It's that old castle-like-looking building right on the corner of uh, 14th and Bolivar, right uh, close to Playhouse Square. And uh, you can get tickets at if you go to eventbrite.com and... Search uh, Misbehaving Women. It'll take you right to the site, and you can order tickets right there.
1: And if you can't so find them there, they can always go to Bullington Capital. I can forward you the uh, the link to that as well. So, oh,
2: thanks, Bill. Yeah. That would be great. And there's also uh, on Eventbrite, there's also a phone number for the Armory. You can um, you know call them to order tickets if you want, and that phone number is 216-621-5938 if you need any additional information. so
1: Well, that's great. This, Again. this is going to be fun.
2: Well, good. I hope you're going to join us.
1: Yeah, I am. I'll be there.
2: Good, good. So. Excellent. Very good.
1: All right, well, hey, Terry, th- you. thanks for calling, and uh, we'll have to get you on two or three more times before this actually comes up.
2: Sounds like a plan. All
1: right. Well, have a good weekend. Okay. All right. Okay,
2: thanks, thanks Bill. You too. Sure. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Yeah, misbehaving women. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding, yeah. Kind of. Uh, sounds really interesting. If you've never been to the Armory, that's uh, a Cleveland landmark. It's uh, it's really cool. It's a uh, oh, there's a lot of stuff you You can actually Google it, and uh, you can see a lot of. You'll know exactly where the building is. Um, there are some pictures there on the inside. It's it's not like seeing it, you know, in person though. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But uh, I forgot what I was actually talking about before. I took that <laughs> before I started talking about that. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. I guess, I guess one of the things I'd really just like to impress on people that, uh, you know, I know a lot of people are really afraid. This is a, uh, there's a lot of information out there, uh, help keep you safe. We're doing the right things as a country. They're doing the right things to slow this down. Uh, and it, it's going to work. Um, I was doing a lot of research over the weekend. It's really interesting how they stopped pandemics. Uh, In the past, before we had advanced medicine, and I thought it was very interesting. During the Civil War, during the uh, First World War, they actually had people going outside in most of the summertime. Um, I'm not sure what they did in the wintertime, but I know that in the open air and in sunlight, viruses like this have an incredibly difficult time surviving. So as it starts to warm up, that by itself will help. The fact that people got fresh air, the uh, fresh air was actually disinfectant and wiped out a lot of the virus. So, you know, there's, instead of just relying on medication, there are some natural way, cures of the, uh, ways of treating the symptoms. And I think that's, that's kind of important for people to know. Um, I went to, let's see, where was it? There is a website that's on this. Oh, it's called Worldometer. And if you go to worldometer, W-O-R-L-D-O-M-E-T-E-R, worldometer.info, there's a lot of information. It's following up on this live. It's uh, putting up the the data. Coronavirus cases, there are 150,000. The deaths, there are 5,600. Recovered, 73,000, which leaves about 70,000 active cases. 65,000 of those, roughly 92% are in mild condition. 8% of them are are serious or critical. Under the closed cases, 93% were recovered, have recovered and have been discharged. 7% uh, actually died. So, uh 7% is is a big number, but 93% is a lot bigger. So, realistically, I mean it's Is it serious? Yes. Should you take precautions? Yes, you should. Is it the end of the world? Probably not. Things are going to get back to normal uh, at some point in time period. And I think that really just trying not to panic is is kind of a key. I'm I'm really amazed. By the way, I've heard and I've been watching on television how all these stores are out of toilet paper and they're out of water and all this stuff. Well, I just went to the Sam's Club near me, and evidently nobody knows where that Sam's Club is because they've got all kinds of stuff. So that's the one in Fairlawn, by the way. If you want to uh, go visit the Sam's Club there, there was uh, they had water stacked out everywhere, and I, I thought this is kind of odd. I wonder why. Wonder why this is. And then I got home and I started watching television, and and every other store is being you know mugged <laughs> by people. We're looking for that stuff. So if you're looking for that, you may want to try the uh, Sam's Club down there in Fairland. But, um, anyway, it's the, uh, you know, uh it, it's very unfortunate. And I don't mean to, I'm not really making light of this. It's serious. You have to take precautions. Uh, just, you know, if you don't know much about it, just get on the internet and read about it. Um, it's a very bad virus and, but it's still a virus and most of the people that are, Really suffering the most are older uh, or they're already sick. And uh, the vast majority of people who are contracting the virus are recovering. So I think it's important to keep that in mind. It's very disruptive, though. I mean, it's going to slow the economy down. There's no doubt about it. It will slow the economy down. The economy will pick right back up again because all the seven and a half billion people on the planet still have to eat, they still have to wear clothes, drive cars, live in housing, go to work. Uh, world will have to go on at at some point in time and probably not that long away uh, in the meantime it's it's really important to just try to try to relax um do what I do. I get tired of hearing the bad news I turn the television off you know I'll go for a walk, read a book you know S- do whatever you'd like to do you know i I'm flabbergasted when I look at on television and I see all these people crowding into these stores because that is just not the way it is. I, I live near Fairlawn, which is not, you know, it's 20 minutes from here and you know, there aren't, there aren't as many cars on the road as there typically are and definitely not in the stores. So I guess if you're, you know, if you need something, go down to Fairlawn. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I, I just don't know what to say really. I mean, I, I, I'm not one to panic. Um, I don't think this is the, the right time to be panicking in, uh, you know, life is, life's going to go on. It's, it's going to be a little bit slower for a couple months. Yeah. Oh, well, you got to do what you got to do, but everything is going to, re- it will recover. That's the nice thing about this, this country. You know, the real magic here was the financial system and finally getting their arm around fiscal policy. That's what it basically a, what a government does and monetary policy. That's what banks do. We'll talk more about this next week, or you can call me if you'd like during the week. 216-901-0945 is stationed here. They can give you my uh, uh, contact info. But anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. This is Bill Bullington here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon on 1420. Have a good week, good investing, and good luck. <laughs> The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC.